commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole net news show with in-depth coverage of all the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a fistful of Beskar special. Now I'll be your host, Ben Granted Adam, to talk about the Mandalorian season finale, chapter 16, The Rescue. All right, thank you very much, Grex. Uh, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to another week of Core World News. Uh, it is my great pleasure to uh, join Grex and Grant and Adam um, and all of you in talking about this amazing episode uh, that is the finale of season two of The Mandalorian. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't even want to do first blush. Like, so much happened in this episode. Like, usually we're like, oh, what was your, you know, take a bit. Yeah. But it's like, I mean... It was a world destroyer. I will. It I'm was gonna overload for the senses. Yes. You you don't you don't want to do first blush, but I'm still gonna force it in. I'm gonna do it. Okay. So great. I, I would say that this episode matched in a lot of ways the premiere of the entire series. It almost mirrored it in terms of like in terms of this like there was a shocking moment in the beginning of the first in the, in the first episode of the series, right? Like I, we were all watching it. I still remember the moment that they introduced baby Yoda. There was a similar, uh, okay, obviously spoilers. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to go through it. I mean, I'll just say it when Luke showed up in this, I thought we might get Luke. I really did. Like, I think last week I even still was saying we're going to get Luke. I, so I, think I, they I mentioned Luke in the, first episode i think but yeah it, yeah we've all been talked yeah this for a long time but yeah. but even though it seemed predictable i mean the execution was yeah. spectacular that's the thing so uh, i wasn't saying that as a humble brag to be like i predicted luke it was like even uh, though i was partially expecting expecting luke i still was not expecting what we got and i was talking to my wife about this like i thought we'd get like a couple seconds flips the hood down cut the black give me the bit you know something but like the yeah. amount of luke we got and even during the episode i'm like all right well this is cool they're hiding luke by throwing him through video cameras he's cloaked maybe we won't actually see him and when they when they were at the door we'll talk about this and, and like how long it took them to actually open the door because through the second viewing of this episode they <laughs> take their time and oh. i love it but in like so many great ways yeah so many times in this episode yeah. the first time i watched it i'm like okay well maybe the door would open there's gonna be this like deus ex machina where it's just like this we can't do it luke has to walk away and then when doors open he, and i'm like well maybe we'll put his head down we put it down I'm like well maybe we'll just cut to black and he won't talk and then we started talking it was just, it kept going where i'm like they kept doing more and more yeah. and more than i ever thought they would give us in the show grant what uh what, what say ye? i mean this was I, probably the one of the greatest season finales in you know <laughs> streaming television history I, yeah. I was i was blown away i mean we got we got everything you could ask for we got the dark troopers we got uh the entire crew just kicking kicking butt and like it was the action was spectacular the blocking the cinematography the uh just everything about this episode was incredible and there was care there were great character moments and the, the range of emotions in this episode mm. i mean we we start off with Lots of tension between all the characters that we're, we're hoping can work as a team to rescue the child. And then we're dealing with fear, the, the dark troopers and how menacing they are. And I'm left with the image of them, you know, breaking through the blast doors. Like yeah. coming, yeah. Like, you know, sieging the bridge and trying to breach those doors and get inside. Like that is nightmares. That's going to stick with yeah. me for a while, just in terms of like 
the metal on metal, the clanging, the just the, the imagery of that whole scene. That was, I thought I thought that was truly threatening, and and the soundtrack lent to that in a wonderful way. And then we we have love, we have these wonderful notes of compassion and peace and harmony and uh, and relief at the end. That I was like, wow, like this episode had it all. Yeah, that's very right. And yeah, Adam, when you had said like, I could see it happening, but I couldn't see it happening this well. I mean, I, I find myself saying that pretty much about every episode we, we've mentioned right. this like i mean and that's what separates you know the bros for me i mean I'm, I'm yeah i'm kind of an idiot about all this stuff like i'm like oh yeah i could see them doing it but i could never envision how well they, right. they put this these stories together and intertwine them um and i mean again if like you know i traveled back in time to core world news you know before you know episode one of the mandalorian and slid on a piece of paper across the table to you guys what happened in this episode you would have been like come on yeah <laughs> right. i i yeah. also so would be like first like boba fett's in on this thing and they go you know like, yeah. you'd be like okay come on and if you said that i'd be like oh god they're gonna ruin star wars right like if you said there was an episode <laughs> two years ago where boba fett's there and he flies into the rescue and then luke shows up and steals this thing that's a baby yoda i'd be like oh my god yeah. stop it give it back to george disney's yeah. ruining star wars i would have freaked out if you wrote this like one thing and but it's it actually just progressed so naturally over the past 16 episodes that i'm like yeah this totally makes sense that we're getting boba fett baby yoda and luke in a single episode yeah. and, and not only that i'm on my knees in the middle of my yeah. living room screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs yes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's luke yeah. I mean, I'm I'm laughing at this where it's just like we last week we talked about Disney Plus's, you know, the, the investor meeting and they're like, we're going to give you 10 new Star Wars shows. And part of me is like they just saw this episode and they're like, yeah, yeah, great. Can you do this? But 10 more times like every year. Like, like this yeah. is great. We're going to order 10 more series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. felt like they were doing a lot too quickly and they were really exposing us to like, you know, just the greatest hits that are we love as fans. But yeah. when you look at it, there there are some really interesting poetic kind of echoes yeah. of, you know, Empire and Rogue One, right? Like there's lots of really interesting, I think, mirror moments that kind of that play yeah. well with the entire, you know, the anthology of Star Wars. Yeah, I feel like mirror is the like buzzword, right? We you know, they're they're not exactly copying anymore. Like JJ's like, well, well, just sort of like paraphrase and do the thing. Instead, they're like taking a Star Wars moment and inverting it a lot now. Yeah. I think, you know, Gareth Edwards like really did that in Rogue One really well. That whole movie was like, you know, an opposite mirror of uh, New Hope. Um, and it was subtle and it was beautiful and it still gave the same feels somehow. And um, they definitely did that in this uh, this episode. But we'll talk about that as we get there. Should we uh, start from the beginning here? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I mean, uh, so great intro scene. Um, I love Lambda shuttles. The like mm -hmm. the, the Empire's yeah. Lambda shuttles Those are always, I don't know, just a, a perfect design. Didn't expect them to start here at all where they're pursuing Dr. Uh, Pershing. And um, yeah, and, and then, you know, they take over the shuttle. What do you guys know who that um, that pilot's name is? The actor's name. I've seen him in something recently as a villain, and uh, he's um, the guy who has the monologue about the yes. rebels yeah. being terrorists. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Uh, the actor's name is Thomas E. Sullivan. Is okay, yeah. I can't I, place what I've seen him in. Can't recently. place him. Yeah, I can't. So I was Agents of Shield. This. Agents of Shield. Oh yes, uh, oh, the Irishman. That was it. He's in the Irishman oh, too. 
Oh, totally. I thought he was. I was a hundred percent convinced watching on my iPad exercising that he was uh, Evan Peters, who plays Quick Quicksilver in the new uh, <laughs> yeah. X Men movies, and he's in yeah, every yeah, single yeah. season of American Horror Story. And I was like so certain. And when I looked at it, it wasn't I'm like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> he Shout does. out to those Quicksilver moments because oh my the the. As a person who loves X-Men, my favorite series ever, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to say this and it's going to be controversial. The only good thing in any of the recent X-Men movies is like whenever they shoehorn a Quicksilver moment in. And I'm like, that's why I paid my $18 is for the the next 30 seconds. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. And we'll mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. But yeah, he Mm -hmm. was in, um, yeah, the last season. That's absolutely right. Yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, yeah, and he was very good as a villain in there. And um, he was. was And, you know, this monologue, we're going to get back to this because there's some parallels here and there's definitely a theme where that's very undertone. But it's like in I'm just going to say this broadly and 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 not be afraid um, is that like in every culture, in every society, in every political realm, it's like you have oppressors and the oppressed and the oppressors will always sort of try to push it back on the oppressed that yeah. they're the ones that are wrong, even though it's clear, like we all know the empire was wrong. <laughs> we know yeah. it's like as much as he's trying to cry about all the people that died on his death machine. It was like, well, first of all, you killed the planet first, but they, we, right. we see this again later, but it was a, a very interesting monologue. They're keeping these like really heavy themes that they had from the last episode with uh, Mayfeld and sort of, you know, this, how we deal with oppressors. And I, I thought that was, that was a cool monologue. It's that it's that old adage, right? Everyone is the hero of their own story, right? And and I think that makes sense. And you have true believers, right? People have bought in, and I and I believe that people like that don't see themselves as evil. Right. They are, and, they are, and they're doing horrible things. But they're right, and they're themselves. they're able to manufacture this message that they're not evil. Yeah, you know, and it's exactly. like, well, I mean, if you're just going to take them at like just the words are saying, it's it is, mm. but you have to sort of like, and I think it's very prescient and current, and yes, um, and 100%. I think they're. They're doing real yeoman's work there. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate it. And the other thing I want to say is I, this is kind of funnier since I'll, I'll bring it, I'll, I'll make it light for a second. For, but like, so Kevin Smith's been like, you know, he's just the, he's now the champion of everything. Like he's just super positivity on the internet, which I love about that. Like we need that in this world. But he just, he posted himself crying over this episode, which by the way is not a rare thing. But he like he was literally showing himself crying watching this episode. I cried. Uh, I did too. One hundred percent. Grogu Dinjarin. <laughs> I cried yeah, both times. Be... That's how I know it worked. Is even though I knew it was coming, I'm crying in front of my wife, who's also crying. Right. Uh, meanwhile, I'm literally uh, holding my daughter, walking around the room, watching that scene, weeping yeah. with my daughter in my arms. But um, but it, so it's just really funny that Kevin Smith, like, basically wrote that monologue in humor form in 1993. In the in the movie Clerks, there's literally right. a scene where Dante and Rayler are talking about, well, what about what about all the people working on the Death Star, right? right. Like, there's this whole comedy beat about this, yeah, yeah. about that, and that was just like, no, but really, in Star Wars universe, the people who are true believers of the Empire did see that as a tragedy, right? Of like millions totally. of their of their fellows, uh, uh, soldiers just killed by and, terrorists. And I don't think it's by coincidence that we get this message in this yeah. monologue in the beginning because and, and get Luke at the end. I mean, Luke is the one who pulled the trigger and blew up the first Death Star and yeah. and he lives with that, you know, he, the live he lives with the the guilt of ending all those lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so and that's that's something that he I, I imagine he holds but it's not really explored in the stories. And I think this is also plays to like maybe the politics he's dealing with in this this time. I think we were all kind of hoping to get more of Luke 
and the political you know aspects of the galaxy and how he's handling those things and and you know with the oppressors and the oppressed and 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 all all of these themes and so it's 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 really interesting that this starts the episode and we get Luke at the end. Of the yeah, episode. that's a good point. The Empire may have viewed as a terrorist. I hundred percent. Yeah, as yeah. as a fanatic, as a religious fanatic. Yeah. Um. So the other thing I think is really interesting, and, and we'll hit on this more later. I think when there's a key phrase uttered by Moff Gideon, but um, oh, yeah. we're we're getting clear that there are divisions even within the shattered Empire, right? So we have the co-pilot and the pilot clearly are not on the same page about what's going on and about being truly committed to whatever the new order might be right and, and <laughs> so i thought that was really interesting where it's just like that i just thought that was so good of communicating that they're just like the people are just doing this because they're doing this and then there's like from last last episode like those true believers right yeah and it's also a, a hierarchy of who needs to know in the empire as yeah. far as what's yeah. coming and how much they know and how committed they are um and uh yeah i was really hoping we were gonna get some of the uh emperor's uh what are they those droids called from the books the uh the the ones that oh yeah the uh um, the messenger droids. the messenger droids i really was hoping we were getting a messenger droid this episode well i oh, think sentinels yeah, yeah 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 oh the sentinels yeah they we might see them next season i mean it, mm -hmm. the, it's we're not done yet even though those were really about bringing the message about operation cinder and that has already come to pass um, yeah uh so maybe maybe they're gone but you never know but you can always i can always see one maybe running the cloning program or the cloning operations because like that that would make sense to me yeah especially yeah. if they really are like well i thought they're still around an alphabet squadron it isn't alphabet squadron happening around this time yeah it's, it is happening around this time is that alphabet pre or post uh jacku I think it's post, but I could be wrong. For our yeah, random listeners, um, yeah, Jakku is six years after the Battle of the Avern, so two years after, um, two years after uh, Return of the Jedi, and that's when Operation Cinder happened, and which was essentially the Emperor tried to like kill his the whole Empire, but apparently right. secretly took his favorite parts of it and are stowing them in the outer regions to rebuild the first order. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, cool. So we don't want to spend too, too much time on this, but, um, they've got <laughs> it. Um, actually, wait, is the, I'm getting confused now. When do they go and find, uh, Bo-Katan? Uh, next scene. All right. They get the, they get the cloner doctor first, doctor then they go get Bo-Katan. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, unknown, uh, right, unknown planet, um, and they uh, roll in, and then we see in this landing pad, uh, if you've watched um, Clone Wars and um, Rebels, a very distinct profile of the, the a Mandalorian mm -hmm. starfighter yeah. um, with its, like, fins in the air. So um, for those in the know, they get the tip off. They're like, oh, he's the Bo-Katan. That's where we're going now, I guess. And yeah, it looks sure. stunning in live action too. Just shout out to the yeah. designers. Uh, looked incredible. Yeah, in live action. They, yeah, they're really cool. Their whole fins like go straight up, and um, it's really cool. Um, and they go into another dive cantina. Somehow they've tracked down Bo-Katan again. I don't know how that happened, but reasons and methods. Uh, I'm guessing she left him because he she wanted him to join him. So I'm guessing he left her, his his number. Wait, text him. 
Yeah, yeah, some sort of yeah location affair beacon. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it's a really cool uh, exchange between Din Djarin, Boba Fett, and then uh, Bo-Katan and Casca um, is her friend's name um, in this bar. And uh, I mean, what do you guys talk about this scene? It's well, it's cool to see lots of people in different Mandalorian armor. Yeah. with their different ideals and principles and personalities. Like that was very cool to see. Uh, yeah. And then the Boba Fett Costco Reeves showdown was, yeah, I mean, awesome. Like all the action beats in this episode are incredible, but that uh, was so special. The dialogue is just like, they, they don't wish like waste a letter of dialogue. Yeah. And Boba's so well, well written. That's why I'm so happy they're doing, yeah. you know, a, a Boba Fett show. We'll get there, but, um, or, or, yeah, probably a streaming series from I what, mean, I, what I guess. Doesn't this feel like old school Star Wars where they're able to get through exposition like like that like yeah. really quick and it just feels naturalistic and you're able to keep keep up with it and just like like and it doesn't need to do it all at once. Like we got Boba, what, two episodes ago? Yeah, two episodes ago, show him that he owns the Arbor. He's Jango Fett. Jango Fett was a foundling. Jango Fett's part of the Mandalorian tribe. And then... Like just this, you're not a Mandalorian. Never said I was. Like that's yeah. like that's just this great back and forth. And like you're like, yep, yeah, I get that. Oh, yeah. I, I love the uh, hey, not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters. And I was like, yeah, sick yeah. burn. And then you look <laughs> in the room and you're like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So Bo-Katan knows who Boba Fett is, which is like yeah. kind of the first time we've seen this. I I did a lot of research on timeline here, and so this show takes place nine years after the Battle of Yavin, and. Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, which we keep coming back to, happened four years after Battle of Je- uh, Battle of Yavin. So, this is so it le- essentially Boba Fett's been dead for five years, as far as most of the galaxy is concerned. Yeah, um, which is pretty wild. Uh, but so Bo-Katan knows who he is. Really, just like cuts, you know, right to the quick on that guy. It's just like he's like your dad. You mean like you mean your donor? Like oh yeah, please. yeah. Play <laughs> off Bo-Katan. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, it's and the I've heard your voice a thousand times or from a thousand yeah. people. And and he just said, I think that's why I was like, this might be the last voice you ever hear, yeah. which is a great voice. Yeah. But I also thought it was just like you think Boba would be very, very prideful. Of the fact that he's like, I'm not a, I'm not like one of the, you know, the, you know, created clones. I'm pure. I'm yeah. pure Django. Pure Django. But, yeah. Unaltered. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, it's a very Boba thing to be like, oh, mm-hmm. how about I kill you? <laughs> yeah um but yeah the interchange with uh uh casca though i really was like i as great of a fighter as um uh casca is like i mean come on dad strength boba fett like i don't know i mean she's they fight I think, to us the toughest, toughest person on the team honestly if you yeah. if you just pay t- close attention to the action she has a lot she does a lot yeah. notice that the uh, axe wolves is nowhere to be seen yeah, I noticed that too. He was, um, and uh, yeah, noticeably absent. Like, why wouldn't he be? He would have been a, a nice. I guess he's off on a different, you know, Mandalorian mission, which hopefully will work. I, I assumed he was going to be cannon fodder in the last episode. We we saw him and he wasn't. So apparently, I thought he would have had him in just to be like, you got to, you know, it's like a horror movie. You got to pack it with people. So you they could have had a dark trooper take him out to make. Yeah, it exactly. Medicine. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, no one, no one fell in battle. I mean, that was. I was, I was expecting maybe there to be some sort of tragedy, but yeah, 
There's only yeah. one named character uh, who dies in this episode, and uh, we'll save that for the end of the episode. Um, but um, the yes, I'm, I'm enjoying the confused look on your face, Adam. It's great. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Oh uh, right. It also. It also. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> it also laid the groundwork for a really great scene, which um, didn't go unnoticed on the internet's, uh, but where like during the raid it just happened to be a four person squad of all women yes just, like taking down a whole like yep. cruiser. um and i think they wanted that moment I don't know. that's that's why i thought x was wasn't there because we're like and yeah. there's a dude like it just yeah. ruins that scene that's just so powerful right um yeah and, so and the blocking in that scene and just mm-hmm. the action uh wow incredible wow. yeah um we'll get there we're getting there um, yeah well, now they have to tell you the plan. A great plan, actually. Yeah, I just laugh because they tell you the exact plan and then they carry out the exact plan. Yeah, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was actually, I was like, oh, this is a really good thing. They used uh, Boba as like a decoy, like fake, you know, pursuer um, to get on the ship. And then they knew the whole dynamics of the ship. It was a, it was a solid plan. Yeah. Um, and executed to perfection. And I mean, like, that's a like, like other than like baby driver, it's like if you've got Boba Fett, you know, at the helm of a ship, it's like you don't worry. You just know he's going to be fine. Like he's going to do everything right. Boba's not making any mistakes back there, yeah. you know, in his job. And it's like a cool dynamic that you don't get. It's like usually the driver messes up or it's like he gets killed or something. But you're like when you got Boba Fett on your team, you're like he's going to like execute perfectly. And he does. Yeah. And executes. I mean, we'll get to the boarding, but my, my favorite thing in this episode is executes perfectly and then just goes away. And it was funny in the episode. I'm like, oh, you know, there goes Boba Fett. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was part of the ruse, right? It was like, yeah. oh, he's done it and he needs to buy them time to sort of, you know, I don't know, start blowing people away in the, in the hangar. But also part of it was like they used the Ooh. Lambda shuttle to jam up the launch bay so that he wouldn't get swarmed with TIE fighters. Wait, you mean the launch tube? Yeah, the yeah. launch tube. Yeah, I only heard it several times. Yeah, yeah. they're like the launch tube. <laughs> they're like clear, clear the clear way of the launch tube. I was like, all right, you're in the launch tube. They're like, aim for the launch tube. <laughs> like another great quality stupid... Star Wars. Yeah, they turned an action beat into the like um, the maneuverability of the lambda shuttle like wings they're like wait they gotta <laughs> fold up their wings to land and it's like you're not gonna make it like i don't know that was i really did thing. like the tie the tie launcher though like the entire uh, facility yeah. design of it and how the, the the ties were just kind of rolled out there and then they launched those really cool yeah. yeah they didn't have to do that i love those that like inside the mechanics and baseball yeah, they, yeah. Cool. they do a great job of that um cool so they're on board and they they start their um their siege um and it's fantastic and they they just start you know the four of the the four ladies just come out to start blowing people away and and just mowing through this whole thing and moff gideon sees them just mowing people down in the cargo bay and he's like activate the death troopers (laughs) and i what i like about the, the, the him doing that is that and I'll come back to this is that I think having John Fowler write six of the eight episodes, right? I think he wrote yes. six of them is that like having a single writer on all this is that you have set off some setups and payoffs that are 
episodes long, and I'll talk about one a little later. But like this one, we get that when uh, what was it? Two episodes ago, when Baby Yoda or Grogu is is kidnapped. Like you notice that it takes he activates the dark troopers and it takes a while for them to actually get going before they come down and yeah, steal them. Can you explain that to me for like what what was going on there with okay. all the tubes? And... Uh, so, <laughs> well, okay, it's mostly just for suspense reasons, but for like in universe, they draw too much power to have them always activated, so they have to like power them up. But where are the tubes? I don't know cables for electricity. <laughs> And it cooling, like gas. cooling, 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 yeah, like cooling, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be some it's, sort of uh, I mean, Tabana gas. It was just cool, right? It I mean, cool. batteries work better when colder, so maybe there's super coolants to like supercharge the batteries. You know, right. science. <laughs> yeah, like if you power them up too fast, they get too hot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, Star Wars science, which is. Always sort it of. It was a lot set. of insert shot shots. Just make it look cool, cool and we will <laughs> we will head it later. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly fine. And also a lot of dubstep. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's. Can we talk about that for a second? Yes. How do we feel about that? I adore it. I, I knew you would. It. I knew you I guys would. It. Because like Ludwig, like I love that he takes brave choices with music. The, the Every style he uses tells yeah. a different story for a different reason. Um, we really haven't been talking enough about music throughout like this whole season because he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah. But this was this episode in particular. I mean, you could yeah. ignore it. There's so uh, much great in it. And I will this say is distorted dubstep with yeah. like, you know, oh, use of, of use silence in negative space. Step that you'd hear in a cantina in Star Wars. But I'll say this, like if you were ever if there's ever a scene in Star Wars, where dubstep was appropriate, it would be this scene. Yeah. And that's about that's all that's about as good as I can say. Right. And and so it comes back, it is the motif he's created for yeah. Dark Troopers, um, which is cool. But then like in the first time we see it here, it's in direct juxtaposition to then the, the shot with Dinjarin coming out of the smoky like um, mm. Lambda shuttle, mm -hmm. all quiet. Then it, it switches to with just, his theme, with his with his whistle. His theme. yeah, exactly. Just like a naked like um, the recorder, the bass recorder that right. is his classic theme, and it was like it felt super Native American all of a sudden. It's like how do you put dubstep up against that? And I, and it, it was just gorgeous. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. it was a great piece of storytelling, and it just made you emote and feel, you know, I, mean, I don't know, just kept we, the. We did a special going. on Ludwig in July, July 4th. You can, yeah. you can listen to that. But I, I will say this, like John Williams is the master. and He's amazing, but he's working with one style, right? Very yeah, like classical. One palette. One palette. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Palette's perfect. And like Ludwig is able to mix these things like really amazing because as much as I may have like the first time I saw, <laughs> I heard the dubstep, I'm like, huh? Like that was my reaction. <laughs> And then as I watch it, I'm like, literally in my mind, I'm like, well, they are machines. And like, that kind of works. And then the second time I heard it, I'm like, yeah. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> and I know that that yeah. tracks sound very similar to the Mudhorn fight yes, in season yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. I, that dubstep has occurred before. In, yeah, in it's kind of like he has like... this theme for things that are going to be proven, things that the, the Mandalorian are going to battle, right? There's this kind of like underlying theme of like, like, I'd be interested to go back and listen to the Crate Dragon stuff to see if there's anything similar going on with the that. The Mandalorian is just a pretty metal show. 
Like he yeah. fights a mudhorn, he fights like mecha stormtroopers. Like this show is like heavy metal Star Wars. I kind of love it. And I wouldn't yeah. mind if it leans more gritty. It leans into the underworld I, and it gets even into more threatening situations. I would I, love for it to progress. I just love that you said heavy metal because there's part of me just wants to see someone do like a 12 like comic book run illustrated <laughs> like heavy metal, the comic book heavy metal. Like look up <laughs> if you don't know what, what that seasons is. Two of the man. Yeah, and just like and just retell it in like the heavy metal comic oh. art styling. Like I think it would totally work. Yeah, I mean, th there's a bit of a formula that it uses here. Usually he busts out those synthesizers and that very, like, dissonant synthesizer thing during battles. Like, when it's time to ramp, ramp up for battles, like when they, you know, storm um, that city of Kassas and with in the Annika episode. I forget the name of the, the city now. Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, it comes Kaladin, up. It's like when they're... Yeah, uh, yes. It's when so. you're when they're gearing up for battle, it's a lot of times that's when he goes to like the really dissonant stuff. And then there's like certain stingers he uses. Like once the once the um, objective is achieved, he does that like whoo like yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, totally. that even they used it when um, when uh, Din Djarin finally used the spear to destroy the death. Yeah. yeah. That stinger like came back like. He's got places for things, but he he doesn't beat you over the head with it, um, and uh, it all it all works. No, they're like these great triumph moments, right? Like, which yeah. is similar to to Williams, right? Like Williams will like his score just kind of underplays, and then there's themes that you're just like, oh yes, or there's like moments of dramatic, and I feel like Luguin is doing similar to things where it's just like you, I don't know. Part of me is like scoring is sometimes like editing, where it's just like. Like, basically, they say that the way you're going to figure out who should win best editor is if you don't notice the editing done in the film. Like, right. that's a good editor. If you don't know, don't see their job, they're doing a good job. Um, I, watch... I would go a little against that. I, I think Williams I... shines in the dramatic moments. Yeah, he really stands out, but he does it in a way that does it, that enhances the visuals instead of tramples them. And I think Ludwig shines more in the action Um that totally makes sense. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that totally makes but sense. Also, Ludwig's narrowed his palette tonally because, like, essentially he's playing the same song through every episode. Yeah. And, and I mean, he really elaborates on it in beautiful ways because he's an amazing musician. But it's like he's just playing one song and one theme the whole time, which is also super. But um, what's interesting is, remember, this season, we didn't hear that theme until, what was it, episode three? It was the Frog Lady right. episode until we heard the actual Mandalorian mm -hmm. theme. And I feel like I've noticed him less this season. And that's kind of what I mean by that is, like, I feel like he is. And I don't know if that's a bad thing no. where it's just like it's just not it's just it's it's enhancing the moments. And then when he does those standout moments, they're standout moments of action is what you're saying. Like, yeah. they're just kind of like this kind of this. Everything kind of comes together to be like, pay attention. This is huge. Yeah, yeah. there's that. There's that. There's a sent sentimental sort of. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Love theme that occurs yes. towards the end of this that I think is one of the best themes. Yeah, I agree. It, it felt like E.T. It felt like a kind of uh, almost like alien it's... experience in a weird yeah. way. It, it felt really interesting. I think it's uh, I think that's like the child theme. Like he does have a theme for the child and, yeah. uh, and he busted it out because it suddenly yeah. got really like infantile yeah. and like he uses that little um, like electric piano or almost yeah. so almost sounds like a toy piano. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's theme and 
Yeah, that's the Sucks theme you. when we did our special. That's the theme when the 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 third one I chose. Yeah, and just as a side note, not to retell the story, but I think it's appropriate because um, it's been a while. I listened to the Mandalorian theme, like the Mandalorian soundtracks, while I was in the hospital with my newborn daughter, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't paying attention to the songs that came up. I just kind of kept saving them in my spotify and i would go back later and i really connected with that not knowing that it was the child right and so like that to me is like amazing like ludwig that's that's like that's art right like you can communicate something with just sound right or just visuals without having to like explain what it is so i think that theme does i mean as a new father it tugged on my heartstrings yeah that just the music itself waterworks waterworks yeah totally yeah no he's ludwig's done a masterful job in all ways and is excelled in ways uh entirely different than john williams um and it's so pleasing yeah. so distinct um that it it's really appropriate and fantastic um i feel like we're missing some of these like major story points because there's some really great well, foreshadowing that yeah, actually well, we missed with bo katan that's right. my thought is like maybe so we kind of been following the mandalorian up until his confrontation with the dark trooper right because they're te- they're doing the parallel stuff yeah. So maybe we maybe we like rewind and start covering what happens with the uh, the 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 infiltration, right? The four people infiltrating. Right. Yeah. And we know Bo-Katan is determined to confront Gideon and she wants to be alone with Gideon to yep. combat him to, you know, for some reason we don't understand yet, especially if you're just a general general right. you know, viewer. But she does help. make it clear she wants the dark saber. She does specifically state that, but not why. Yes, right. and she, and then later she's like, "I need to be the one who confronts Gideon." Yeah, um, and, and then you know, and then they're like, "Okay," this... and it's like they knew that Dune needs him alive. Okay, right. <laughs> Mando's like, "I just need the kid," and they're yeah. like, "Okay, we can make this all work." Fine, which makes me laugh because Mando's like, "Okay, so got to get the kid alive, got to keep Gideon alive, got to make sure I deliver Gideon to Bo-Katan." <laughs> yeah, like let's just right. rank these in priority real quick. Okay, I yeah. know what comes last. <laughs> also, we all need to be alive. That's yeah. somewhere on that. So yeah, they charge headlong for the bridge, thinking Gideon yeah. will be there. That's kind of the direction they're going. Yeah. And we get what I think I'm going to actually say is the best action scene in this entire episode, which may be controversial considering of an action scene we're going to talk about a little later. I thought you were going to say series, and I wasn't going to argue with it. Oh no, I would actually, I I would actually, I could say that. I didn't, I didn't really think about it, but it's up there. It's it's amazing. Like the four. Of those uh, of of the, of the characters just busting down stormtroopers is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fennec Shand dodging uh, uh, a blaster bolt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fennec just Shand side, just sidestepping a blaster bolt. No big deal. Fennec Shand doing anything like her like karate kick because that's all I can say it is like like just <laughs> around right. just yeah. around some boxes like some crates just destroying a stormtrooper. Yeah. I, also, I don't know if it was Costco Reeves or Bogotan, but they're like running up walls with their jetpacks. They're using their jetpacks yeah. like yeah. very interesting uh, ways yeah. in, in, in this well, season. It's storytelling through char- it, through characters fighting styles, because even Cara Dune, oh. they they make her a tank in this. And I love that. Like the yeah. scene with her, like I just love that scene is really great when she, when her when her rifle oh, jams. jams. And like she just ends up using it as a club, and then her in the in the lift just trying to <laughs> restart it, and they're like, "Do you want some help? Do you want some help with that?" And she's like, and "Son of a, 
son, son of a, a mud scuffer. scuffer. Yeah, yeah. Son of a mud yeah. Scuffer. And just when she, at the end, when she fixes it, my favorite moment is when she lifts the gun over. I think it's, I think it's, um, it's one of their heads and just goes, excuse me. <laughs> or just pardon me or something. Like, it's yeah. just a great little line. Like, it's just so great. Yeah. And then she takes down 50 stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I don't know how a laser rifle jams, but we could move past that. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know the physics of that. They can overheat, right? They overheat and jam up. I will, I will let that be just for the amazing scene that it, it gives us. Uh, we should have, we didn't, we kind of brushed over it, but doesn't Mando, so we're still mid-fight with the Dark Trooper. We haven't progressed past We that. haven't really, we haven't even gotten to that yet in terms of the confrontation. Okay. But, we're getting there because we're kind of like we're re-editing and not doing the cutting back and forth. Uh, anything else about the uh, the uh, you know the 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 force? Um, I shouldn't I say force. I, I I think I can agree with you. There are some there are some shots in there, some action moments that are incredible. But I just I I don't know if it tops the action scene that that comes at the end of this, or even. The fight with uh, the dark trooper. The fight with the dark trooper is pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. it. I mean, it's got some crazy visuals too, and the, with the fire and whatnot. I will, I will stand by my statement, but that's not to say that those other two fight scenes are not also amazing. I just, yeah, I think all around this episode yeah. has the best action I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I probably should have like refined that to be like as far as like ensemble, like siege of like many, you know, yeah. characters in a battle, like battle scene. As I mean. 1v1s definitely and of course like all the i mean the ahsoka stuff and then you know the jedi we see later stuff um but yeah i just i was just blown away by it especially the fennec shan blocking and the action sequences and all that because like i've seen her in agents of shield as agent may and that was i watched the whole you know the whole series of that and it yeah. was great but like it just i i was struck by the the contrast and how much better um Ming-Na Wen was in this than she is in the other. Yeah. Thing. Obviously and, I'm biased cuz I adore Star Wars but yeah. um I, but I, as far as who maybe equally in, in adores Star Wars and Marvel, I would say this is far superior. And I I remember when I was watching this this the first time I'm like oh man, I really want to see more of Fennec Shand. Like I was oh, like yeah. I want her to have her own show. And then in my head, and we'll get this later, in my head, I'm like, well, she's not going to be a ranger of the New Republic. Like, I just accepted that as watching the episode. I was like, that's not that character. She's not going right. to be part of, she's not going to, she's not a joiner, right? Yeah. So I'm like, where are we going to see her? Because she's not going to be that. She's not going to be, you know, part of the Ahsoka story. Maybe she's in Mando season three. I don't know, but we'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. There's also that hilarious moment when a stormtrooper is kind of peering out through this tiny gap between <laughs> yes. like four containers. Yeah. Just drills him with a laser ball. Yeah, yeah. She just like looks in and just blows the needle. (laughs) Like, how have we not got that like Star Wars shot yet? Like, that's like an instant classic right there. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, totally. Great, great. I mean, yeah, just really blown away by those actions. Like, usually that's like ho hum action, blah blah blah, karate fights. A lot of like, no, this was totally just like glued to those scenes. The older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, 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 action's fine. Can we get to the talking parts now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know that as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. But like, it, this was done so well. And again, I think it's because it's it's storytelling through action. 
right? Like character development or characterization through action. It's not just like cool, whatever. Like every character is doing great. You mentioned it like the the, the two Mandalorians are using their jetpacks. You have yeah. Fennec Shan fighting in a very particular style. You have Cara Dune being a tank. Like it's just so right. great to the characters. Right. They had two Mandos with jetpacks, a sniper slash specialist and a and a tank, which is like your standard like formation. Actually, one you could call um, you could call Bo-Katan officer class. Um, oh, yeah, totally. You know? and yeah, then yeah, yeah. Like the full, you know, the full compliment there. But um, yeah, I was actually particularly struck by that scene where um, they're on the bridge with the, like that. Also, like they found a new bridge over nothing, like an, a new OSHA violation in Star Wars. That was amazing. <laughs> where like you could just fall yeah. off the bridge and like drift off into space. It's a space. <laughs> yeah, just space yourself. Um, and, uh, and they used that, like the animation of the two, like Mando's jumping off the bridge was so cool. Yeah. Um, and then of course you, you know, everyone knew it was going to happen and that, that was a blast. Um, no pun intended. Uh, so are we going to get back to, uh, Mando and his adventure? Yeah. Or Pershing. Are we going to talk about Dr. Pershing? Cause, uh, I don't know what happened to him, but, uh, he's not in the rest of the movie, the rest of the show. So. Oh yeah. That's a really good point. He's <laughs> Just, they knocked him out somewhere. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, he may have just given them the the coordinates, and then they, I don't know. I think he's sitting patiently in that Lambda shuttle. So my <laughs> cat just broke my laptop, but keep talking. That's cool. Um, yeah, so uh, onward and upward. So great action sequence where you've got the, like, the door and Mandalorian. And, like, you know this is, like, his biggest nightmare. Like, yeah. we haven't yeah. gotten the fact that he is deathly afraid of droids. And the season one, like phobia of droids comes back with reckless abandon um, in this. And first in this scene where like they're trying to climb through the door um, and, you know, he's able to sort of get one out, you know, deal with just one at a time. I thought that was a frantic moment. Like I really oh, felt yeah. like the, yeah. the fear and the well, dread. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not his mo. Usually, he's like, "Yes, action and and like." Well, it was like the Tantivan Vader and like getting the Death Star plans. It was like, "Gotta get these things out of here because yeah. they will yeah. they will annihilate us." Well, those um those droids look a lot like Darth Vader. I mean, elephant in the yeah. room, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. But then he does space the majority of them, right? <laughs> also. <laughs> I feel like you guys would be like, I'm so smart, but that happened. I'm like, yeah, that got rid of him. But like, droids don't need to breathe. (laughs) So anyway, we'll get there. (laughs) This is kind of like, all right, temporary fix. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then that that battle was fantastic. Um, And all of his blasters and stuff that he'd normally use are are totally hopeless against the thing. But um, I mean, great battle sequence. It it was you really felt. I mean, and then. So him just hammering, yeah, right. uh, the Mandalorian's <laughs> face into the wall, and he's yeah, like, yeah. "You're like, when will this stop? He can just do this forever." The like, Death Troopers are really good at punching things. They're just like they have a, they like to punch stuff. Yeah, this might be the first moment in this episode where I'm like, they're gonna take their time with things, <laughs> right? In a good yeah. way, where it's just like, because that scene. Because even the second time I watched it, I'm like, that scene goes on for a long time with how many times he's just hammering his face. Yeah, I can't underline that enough. Peyton Reed, man, his timing. It's like there were certain scenes he just took his time with and it was fantastic. It, it was like, yes, I want to see that. 
even like the them, you know, Slave One attacking the Lambda yeah. shuttle and them launching the like it felt like it took forever in a great way. It just kept yeah. I don't know. He well, just took his time with this to really let it hit home. It's amazing when like most of your episodes are 32 minutes long. When you have a 45 minute long episode, it feels like a special event. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it feels long in a good way. The other thing is like since you said Peyton Reed, I'll just say it right now. It's just really interesting that like the last two season finales have been directed by Marvel MCU directors, right? We had Taika Waititi direct the season yeah. finale. So it's clearly that the like Favreau is tapping individuals who have a lot of experience directing high budget, big right. action things, right? And I think it pays yeah. off. Like I love the directors they have for these other episodes, but I feel like you need a Taika or a, a John Favreau or a, or a Peyton to do these type of episodes. It pays off. Right. Dumb people like me would be like, oh, they're just going to make it look like Marvel. But it's they totally don't. They like really. Whether they, I don't know. Whether they I mean, obviously, there were some Marvel moments. The Dark like, Troopers look really, really like Iron Man, but we can move. Yeah, that. there's been a couple <laughs> Iron Man moments in the past few seasons, but still like. Yeah, but it no. was it was it's, well structured and it was like a showcase. It was like a showcase yeah. for the Dark Trooper in a lot yeah. of ways, where it 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 showed you know how durable they are, what they're capable of, you know, how resilient they are. Like it was really yeah. it it really did do everything I wanted it to do with the with the Dark Troopers. Yeah, right. and then they Same they though. show finally Dinjarin shows us their one weakness, which I think is melee weapons, um, which you wouldn't think would be the case, but he recovers his Beskar spear and puts it through the neck of a death trooper. And that's, that's the death knell. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And, um, and it prescient for later, you know, foreshadowing for later mm -hmm. on. Um, in yeah, the yeah. Um, yes. So then uh, he's on to uh, go rescue Grogu. Yeah. And we get maybe the, to me, the brutalest thing I've seen in all of the two seasons, and I don't know you guys are right there, but when he literally snaps a stormtrooper's neck using the Beskar spear, I'm like, yeah. oof. And when I watched it later on with my wife, because as I've mentioned every time we do this, we watch it with closed captioning on because we have a baby sleeping. Mm -hmm. uh, it literally says, neck snapping. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, all right. Like, all right. That is no doubt. Like, that. that's cool. Like, I mean, it makes sense. It's not like I don't think it's like gratuitous or anything, but it's just like wow, that's that's uh, that's brutal. I, yeah, it gave I me used... like kind of like Leonidas like three hundred vibes <laughs> a few times. Yeah, totally. I used uh, closed captioning in this one because uh, there was one scene I listened to three times. It was when um, Casca tells Boba Fett like, "Oh, uh, yeah. whoa, aren't you talking a lot for a sidekick?" And he was like, well, isn't essentially he says, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? But he says it in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. But um, and it was like it, it was gibberish, like ultimately gibberish. And I but I thought yeah. he was saying something about, it, well, you, if you are a fet, you know, I thought he was talking about himself in the third person like, or something. <laughs> I'm sure it was written in the thing. Isn't that a noun calling a noun an adjective? Yeah. And then it was just like you figure it out, like you yeah. Star Wars nerds figure fill us in. <laughs> Say some stuff. Yeah. And it was whatever, but um, I'm glad. Um, but I, honestly, Jenny was like, "Why don't you just put on closed captioning?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that's what Adam does all the time." But fair warning, anyone is don't do that the first time through because it's ruined surprises for me when I've watched it with closed captioning because they will say what a person's name is before they've identified who that person is on screen. Oh, no, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, be warned. 
Um, all right. And so now he's in the room with, um, with Moff Gideon. We have Din Djarin facing off and it was like kind of brutal. It looked to me like he had the dark saber over the, the, yeah. um, you know, uh, Grogu's head, like kill switch. If he got shot, he would drop the saber onto a uh, Grogu, um, which was, uh, tense. And, yeah. um, they seem to come to a little tete-a-tete there. You guys buy that? Or? <laughs> And he's like, we've gathered all the blood we need. Like, I can sense you have a connection with the child. You could take him if you want. I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. Giancarlo Esposito is firing on all cylinders, and I just want more. He's and such a snake. He's so good. <laughs> and when I was watching this the first time, when he basically said, like, we have all we need to get order, whatever, yada, yada, yada. First yeah, order. that's when he uses the right, order. To bring yeah. order, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of amazing, because you have to thread that needle through all of these now five series or four series, four series that are going to be within the Mandalorian timeline where they're clearly playing around with the first order where you can't actually have them know that the first order is a thing because that ruins the timeline. But like, so you have to thread this needle where part of me was just like first time through, I was just like, is, is the Mandalorian going to actually take him up on this offer? Which he does. Yeah. And is the Moff Gideon going to do that? Because part of me is just like, well, that works perfectly, right? Moff Gideon, everyone yeah. gets what they want. Like, he gets the child, Moff Gideon gets the blood. He can go make, he can go make, you know, Snokes, all the Snokes he wants and a couple of, a couple of Palpatines, you know, sure. for Why not? and giggles. Oh, sorry, I have to bleep that. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, so, so basically, I just thought, like, this is kind of perfect. I'm really glad where the episode went, but I really thought part of me was like, is this going to be, is he's just going to be the Boba Fett where he kind of just takes the kid and just leaves and leaves everyone here. And I wouldn't put it past him because he leaves. That he kid. does. Yeah. <laughs> Only to get thwacked in the back immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, you should really aim for the neck. Like, how does he, he knows Beskar armor is like, you know, invulnerable. That's still, um, I heard a, a rumor on the internet that, uh, in the next fight sequence, which I mean, we saw this coming. I mean, Chekhov's Beskar spear, uh, happened. A while ago and um that was, it was pretty obvious that there was going to be a fight there with the against the dark saber but yeah um uh, uh john carlo esposito broke four prop dark sabers in that battle <laughs> when really? you look he's at him hammering he's, down yeah he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's an intense scene i can see those breaking over and over again yeah actually, sure. yeah jenny found that out what did you yell jenny <laughs> oh jenny says seven so seven, seven. <laughs> yeah well see a seven raise your nine wow. yeah that's, exactly that's uh so uh yeah which is awesome um that was a really fun fight sequence and yeah really scary and you mean you know you don't want to go up against you know lightsaber ever um but his armor holds true uh once again yep and, uh, and it was sort of like, I mean, then halfway through the episode, he's like saved Grogu and has Moff Gideon captured. And you're like, all right, is that it? Or is there still 25 minutes left of the episode? That's a really good point. I was not paying attention the first time I watched this. And I really thought it was much further along in the episode than it was. Right. Like, because, again, they have you trained for those like 32 minute episodes. So you're like, OK, we're in the middle of the third act. And really, we're really halfway through the second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, and then and so it's like, and then things get interesting, which is wild, just wild. Yeah. They they go to the everyone's now collected on the bridge, and you know, um, Moff Gideon's like, Oh, yeah, this is gonna be fun. We have this is good times. 
Um, Basically, the villain tenting fingers and chuckling at his pl- at watching the world burn. Yeah. But now we get the reveal with the dark saber and yeah. the, the obviously the story that you know many of us know from you know the expanded universe and then also the animated series and things like that. But you have to win it in combat. I mean, it's something that's part of their culture is to win it in combat. And this is Gideon's. This is kind of Gideon's joke, right? His his deranged joke is that he's he's lost to Mando, but now he's chuckling at the idea that now they'll have to they'll be infighting within the group. Right. And he's like, he's like, do you want to kill him now, Mando. or should you do it later? You know, he's taunting yeah. Bo-Katan, and like that's his yeah his disruption plea. So this brings up a really um, another hot topic on the internet after this thing. So if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, you know that Bo- the way that Bo-Katan got the saber in the first place, which Moff Gideon clearly got it from her. He knew it was hers. Um, Bo-Katan was just handed it to her at the end of Rebels by Sabine Wren, who just found it in a cave um, on on Dathomir Um, because it was Maul's before hers. And Maul apparently just threw it in his treasure trove um, when he went off to, you know, be a a kingpin um, and stop ruling Mandalore. So technically Sabine, Sabine didn't really win it either, but it was a major plot piece in Rebels. And if yeah. you watch Rebels, I suggest you do. It's fantastic. Um, but so at the end of it, you know, so people were like, Sabine, you should be the ruler. And she like learns, no, it really should be Bo-Katan. She's the one who really wins heart and minds and has her heart in this and get, and just hands it to Bo-Katan. So I think that's why people thought it was confusing. It's like, well, she was just handed the lightsaber before. <laughs> why can't the Mandalorian just hand her the lightsaber now? And that, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys. Talk. I, I want up you on that. This to me was the clunkiest moment of this entire episode, because literally the Mandalorian just won the saber um, in combat against Moff Gideon, where neither party died. So there's nothing in this that states that it's a battle to the death. Well, so it doesn't could, have to be a battle. They could just arm wrestle. No, but literally, I'm like, yeah, couldn't they just say, OK, cool, we'll fight. Like, we'll do a legit fight because I think Bo-Katan could probably get pretty close to taking, like, the Mandalorian and just be like, if it gets close enough, he'll just call it, right? Like, he'll just submit. Like, so it just so seems like, combining it's old, like false peril. I think they're combining old EU uh, ideas of Mandalore with the new canon here. Because I think there was something with the mantle of Mandalore, the, the helm of the helmet of Mandalore that you, you had to fight for it. Or basically yeah. Like yeah. And also John Carlo Esposito like spells it out pretty clearly. He's like, it's the it's not the sword that has the power, it's right. the story. So if the story is that the Indian leg wrestled for it, it's not a very powerful story. You know, it's right. like if it is what you know, and this is why I think she was so keen on winning it in combat from uh from Gideon because it would really lend credence to her her value as a leader. Whereas before she was just handed it to it. I think this is really understated writing uh, beautifully. um, Not understated. That's not what I'm looking for. Subtle writing by uh, Filoni um, to really to spell out that like, no, you need to like, you really need to win it. And it wasn't as. as, Yeah, it was a clear. It was a a more clear or or pure victory if it was her versus Moff Gideon. I totally get that. Right. And I get that. That's what she wants to take back to her people. Like I won this back from the empire that like 
from right. Moff Gideon, who you know is infamous. I'm sure. All right. So Man- give it back to Moff Gideon and put the two of them in a freaking room. Like, like my point is, like this is to me. This equates in things I hate in television, where two people could solve a problem by having a freaking conversation. Like it seems to me like it's. It, I get what they're going for. I understand it. It just seems like a false peril to me. Like it just seems like you could figure this out. You're rational beings. Figure it out. But there, there are but, you could. But that goes season that three. Scene. Then you would have season three of the Mandalorian. <laughs> right. I feel like there's multiple ways to read that scene, though. I think the one that she's so you know she's so true to her doctrine that she's not going to, or her her t- tradition yeah. that she's not going to betray the the, the story, yeah. right? And then yeah. you could also read that maybe she's contemplating that the, the dark may have found the next Mandalore, right, or the next person to possibly lead the Mandalorians. So there's like another way to read that scene, I think. There's like angles, different angles in that scene. Yeah. Kind of... Yeah, so when Carly was watching this, she had a similar thought, Grant, that like like Bo-Katan saw the true might have seen the true leader of Mandalore right here. Because she's like, is this going to be season three? Because it's like, awkward be... if you don't think that. <laughs> right? Like, no, but <laughs> it's, it's kind like, of but... bad and campy if you don't think that. Right, because it's like, it's pure storytelling. Like, she talked about, like, the Nile of the Call and King Arthur and the Sword in the Stone and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So, so I like that interpretation of why she's a little more conflicted than that than just my whole, like, I am like, you know, Vulcan logical about this whole thing of just like, just talk and fix it as opposed to like, no, humans and Mandalorians are complex animals and have complex emotions of just not like, yeah, it's not just simple. Maybe he but, really is the chosen think one. Of, think of this. I mean, you get a season three where Mando's wielding the dark saber. How awesome would that be? <laughs> It'd be amazing. I thought we were going to get this episode. Jedi. watching a show about Jedi at that point. It'd Pretty much. Incredible. Yeah, and I like that idea that, like, because she also might just be, like, internally might be, like, this would be my third shot at this. Like, you know, like, how many shots do I have before I admit that maybe I am not the one, right? Like, maybe I am not. Maybe I'm there to counsel the one. Right, and also, I mean, think about, like, the the problem facing Filoni and Favreau here, where it's, like, they need to cater to people that have never seen seen Rebels or Clone Wars before. And they also need to came, cater to us who've seen it all. And yeah. so I, I think this walks that line very finely and you need to put two yeah. and two together and sort of be like, yeah, it didn't work before. Like she really needed a big W in order to like, yeah, to, to galvanize Mandalore. Yeah. And, and I mean, I adored uh, rebels. I just, I've, I've said this a hundred times. I watched yeah. it again and the second time I just, it was, it gave me all the Star Wars and a lot of the ways that Mandalorian does. Like I, I like it. It may be my second favorite thing that I've like Star Wars I've watched in the past few months, um, uh, to Mandalorians, um, rebels is amazing. But the, yeah. the difference between seeing Katie Sackoff in person, like reacting to the dark saber and to this scene versus like a, an animated Katie Sackoff is night and day. And I thought her performance was fantastic where you could really see her being like, maybe I am going to fight you right now. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's actually like, I'm this desperate. Like I might just kill you right now because this is like, or if I don't do it now, I might do it later. Um, and yeah, it was super powerful and super, yeah, just enjoyable to watch that performance. Her face acting or whatever it is is so good and i mean going all the way back to Battlestar galactica watching her starbuck as a super complex character who 
puts out for like the first season this very specific like to the world that she's around like this is my like persona and like the seeing the cracks in that in Battlestar is amazing like she's really good at doing that stuff where she's like putting this one thing out and clearly can watch what's going on behind the eyes like she's really good at that fantastic acting I mean that's that's where Star Wars is super lucky it's like we've they want an A-list actor they get an A-list actor there's yeah of hardcore Star Wars fans that are would love to do this, um, even if they don't usually do TV. Um, or if they do, um, they can get whoever they want. So that's certainly upping the quality here. Yeah. Um, so that that was a fun conundrum that they had there. Um, and then, yeah, we talked about it earlier. Um, we get the return of the Death Troopers. And, you know, and, and so we have them flying back in and it's all very menacing. And two things that stood out here. One is like the cockiness of Moff Gideon. (laughs) Yeah. In in that moment, I was like, anyone who speaks that assuredly, I kind of believe like, I'm like, if if he's lying, I can't like, I couldn't even believe. I think he was pretty accurate in what he was saying. Cause I was like, he was like, they're going to kill everyone in here except me and the child. And I was like, this is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Unreal. And then okay. when we finally get the the death troopers at the door, like what would have been going through Din Djarin's head? Because it's like very, the you know, when he was a kid hidden in like a, you know, a, what do you call it? A, a bunker, really. Um, uh, and yeah. And like in the, the, the droids right outside, like pounding, like um, I thought they could yeah. have put it up even more. But I mean, you could imagine like this is all of his fears coming, coming together. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely the nightmarish moment for me too. Just the breaking into the and just shutting yeah. blast doors. Like blast doors are supposed right. to, yeah, you know, be impervious, right? Yeah, so to, but, to many things, and they can just pound through. Yeah, it. just keep wow. going and going. Yeah. To go back to Gideon for a second, he's just he's Tarkin, right? Like evacuate in our moment of triumph. I think you overestimate their chances, right? Like that's the that's like yeah. the Tarkin quote right before the Death Star blows up, and it's very similar. Moff Gideon's just like, why? Like, nope, we we're gonna win. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that the same kind of thing happens <laughs> to mm. two moths who are super overconfident? Literally the same guy comes in ruins and like poops on their poops on their party. Yeah. So true. Um yeah, that's dude, that's that's a great catch. Um, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, and, and back to them like pounding on the door. Yeah. I think this also goes to like Peyton Reed's pacing, like yeah. I was so sucked into that moment where it was yeah. just like with them. It's like there's like they ground themselves and then they like arm their arms. And like we've seen them punch stuff all episode and they're just like they're going to just like punch through this wall. And it was yeah. like you really felt it in your soul. And it was like a Lord of the Rings moment. Like the it drums. It did feel like yeah. a very Mind's much. Moria moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally Mind's Moria. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it just like it just sucked me in. I, I didn't like I mean, again, I I am one of the dumbest like movie watchers or television watch, like I plausible deniability, like I, or, you know, that, that sort of, um, that's not the right word, but like, you know, just like suspension of disbelief, suspension of disbelief. Thank you. That's, that's me. Like I'm just, when I'm in a show, like I am just the dumbest person in the room. And, and like when the X wing, they're like, flies in the background? Oh, wow. I, I'm yeah, like, I was bet. like, I was like, what's Captain Tiva going to do? Yeah, me too. I said, said the yes, same thing. But Ben, you're not dumb. 
you're doing exactly what Fowler's been doing. This is the other part that I wanted to mention is that there's a reason why in almost every episode of the season, or at least half the episodes of the seasons, X-Wings fly in right. to save uh, you. Okay. He's been setting you up. It's comedy, right? It's like you do, it's rule of three. You do the same thing three times, and on the fourth time, you invert. You do something different, right? But like, that's the joke. And he did that exact same thing where it's just like, because I had the exact same thought. I literally went into this episode expecting to see Luke Skywalker. And when a, a single X-Wing comes flying by, it never even occurred to me until until you saw baby go baby Yoda start looking right, and, then I heard, yeah, and then that that's when you clue in but I'm like I had the same thought I'm like oh great Captain yeah. Tiva again who I or like but I'm Wolf like that's McWolf pants was gonna yeah be who I like but I'm like is that gonna be the person who yeah, comes Dave to the rescue? How saves boring the day. is that yeah yeah so <laughs> that's like that's what I thought that, I'm like what can Dave Filoni yeah. do here nothing you're not dumb <laughs> you're you and Grant and I are, are falling for exactly the reason why we got all those scenes yeah. in the past seven episodes I, I fall into all the traps like I just fall into all the traps I am the but that's fun that's the point that's exactly yeah. that's why I love watching Star Wars so much because yeah. like this, I'm this show I'm is very time. planned out I think you could say you know it, it differs from the sequel trilogy and that there's this show is very much planned out right <laughs> there's a plan <laughs> and there's right. a plan and yeah. uh and this was the one kind of misdirect and I thought it was very well calculated, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was the was perfect. It was really and you get perfect. a great line from Cardoon undercutting the entire thing. Oh, oh yeah, a single X-Wing X X-Wing is really going to help. Yeah, no, we're yeah, saved. We're saved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good, good line. line. Yeah. That was a good line. Um, and I also like even at that moment, I was like, I'm like, well, melee weapons work against them, and I actually thought we were going to see Dinjarin yep. go out there with a dark saber too. and try his darndest, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So we get an X-wing, um, <laughs> and we clearly get a Jedi, and they, I mean, and again, Grogu is all over the 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 monitor, the camera feed. Yeah. So yeah, they're both like they each have their own camera feed, and they're showing yeah. different things. All right, so. What are you thinking? Are you like, okay, that's definitely Good question. Yeah. I immediately you... do. I mean, right let's ask like I saw a... the, the cloaked figure. That like, was yeah. kind of immediate. You all... What percent chance did you the think pace he was moving? It was almost like a mirror of uh, the beginning of um... Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So they here's kind of... my question similar to what Ben's asking. When were you 100% certain? That it was Luke, because I have a specific moment. Was there a moment you're like, okay, now I know it's Luke? Because the right. second you see him, you're like, maybe it's Luke, maybe it's Ezra, maybe it's Cal Kestis. Right. So I, when I saw, I saw the X-wing. Right. Yep. Didn't get it. And then I think I saw that Grogu thing. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me, and I jumped out of my couch and like power <laughs> slided on my knees across my. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my effing god! It's Luke. <laughs> and um and. Yeah, and but then, but that uh, that at that point, I was fifty percent. Same like, here. Yeah, fifty percent. Like it was. I kept yep. saying, "Is it Luke?" Out yes, loud. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> could Luke? be. Are they is really going to do it? Are they going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that happened, and then I'm watching the move, and I'm just like, "Is it yep. Mace?" <laughs> is it God, Mace? I can't believe you're still on Mace. <laughs> is it Mace or like oh, Cal? No. Everyone's flashing in my head. Yeah, that's hilarious. It, Obviously, it wasn't. They did a shot, and it, like Filoni does this too. It's like, how do they have this much time 
to put these little Easter eggs in everywhere to sort of lead you. Like he's like, hey, for the hardcores, this is for you. He did the same thing with that um, Mandalorian cruiser. Like, okay, so the hardcores know it's a Mandalorian before the scene starts. Like, good yeah. for you. And then for the super hardcores on this one, gloved hand. Yep, if you, if, and for the people that know yep. what Luke Skywalker's hilt looks like, yep. you're like, okay, that's it's that's Luke. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can see the belt, clearly. I think the belt it. is very similar to the belt. belt is 100%. Yeah. yeah. But when you could see the gloved hand and the lightsaber, that's what I'm like. Because it kept going like 50, 60, 75%. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I kept getting yeah. like I'm like it is it really is when they showed that scene with the with the, yeah. with, the with the hand yeah when they showed they I think they showed the color of the lightsaber like at one point they actually showed a room and it, you could see it was a green lightsaber you're like that was like eighty five percent confirmation yeah and, and then when they <laughs> yep, it, you exactly know, maybe ninety percent and then they showed the gloved hand with the lightsaber and you're like oh wow so meanwhile watching this <laughs> with my wife the X wing comes screaming across she goes. Oh my God! It's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right. Fall for it at all? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, a single X-wing, and I was yep. like, "Oh my God!" I mean, which is going to be right. Well, I mean, in our defense, we have been talking about the entire like range of possibilities for the past, you know, eight weeks, yep. and like, you know, we left no stone unturned. There, I'm like, "Is it? You know, Ahsoka? Ahsoka had a green lightsaber, <laughs> you know." um it's a cloaked yeah. figure but uh yeah um fantastic so after that we see the glove there is a hallway scene and uh, <laughs> we, we talked about mirroring at the beginning of this episode yeah. and you know widely considered the greatest live action darth vader scene is in rogue one where he goes into the hallway and just like ruins a bunch of rebels here we have luke skywalker in a hallway with a bunch of robotic darth vaders yeah. And 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 just mauls his way through it. Just has like, has the nostalgia Ouroboros completely eaten itself? Because I'm like, we're doing this. It, we're doing nostalgia Maybe. for a movie that came out four years ago. OK, I mean, well, OK, I let me before we actually answer that question, honestly, I am not asking that question, honestly, because I am 100% here for this. It's just hilarious that we are now to the point where we're no longer we're not only referencing the original trilogy, we're referencing movies that came out four years ago. But I'm I'm here for it because man, that scene was amazing. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fan beat that's a super like that everyone loved. Like they're not afraid to just like beat that drum, you know. Yeah. Like if fans that's what they want, that's you're gonna get it. Like Filoni's like, yeah, we'll give you. We'll give you what you want, but it makes sense in a very Lucasian way. Yeah. Um, in that they would both have they would both have their moments, and I mean, how and, much? But have, it also if you're feels regular... like the Phantom Menace as well. I mean, in yeah, fighting battle droids, you know, Qui Gon and Obi Wan and things like that. There's, there's, it, it felt a lot like that. The first scene when he's cutting down dark troopers felt like that, and then that hallway scene later felt like Rogue One. I, I felt like yeah. it was. Yeah, it was kind of an homage to a tribute to many of Absolutely. the scenes across the films. I mean, yep. so think about it this way. I feel like I feel like Rogue One addressed fans who were disappointed at the end of episode three. And I will count myself uh, to one of those. I love episode three. But when I when I heard that movie was coming out and we heard we we're going to see Darth Vader and we we're going to see the armor, my mind had convinced myself that the third act would be all Darth Vader in a suit, not 
the last five minutes of the movie and him screaming no or where what about Padme? Where's right. Padme? Again, I think it makes sense from the movie's standpoint when you rewatch the movie. I just had that anticipation, right? That was never fulfilled. Cool. I no, no, I do not begrudge episode three for that at all, but it's kind of there. And there's that lingering wish of do we ever get to see Darth Vader in his prime? Because we don't really see that even in the right. in the original trilogy. Rogue One made up for that. Not necessarily something I need to be made up for, but it, it kind of added that, right? And so now we have this, again, doing the similar thing that uh, people who watch the sequel trilogy really regretted the fact that we never got to see Luke in his prime, right? We never yeah. really got to see him in full, full Jedi Luke, which makes sense because we see him 35 years later and he's old man. So, right. or, I mean, like, you could even say the original yeah. trilogy never got to. See no, we never got there. We never did right. because in the very still, same way, he was still training. He was never a full Jedi until the end of that last movie. Yeah, he right? put his lightsaber together the scene before he enters Jabba's palace. So mm -hmm. he's still just a blossoming yeah. Jedi at that point. And we never really get to see full power Luke. And now we see full power Luke, Luke, who's been a Jedi, a real Jedi for five years or six years at this point. Five, five years. Yeah. It's five years after Return of the Jedi. Right, exactly. So he's been in full Jedi for five years. He's been training, continue to train, continue to investigate, look for things. And it was awesome. It's everything I've ever wanted to see Luke do. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I think there there is a good contingent of fans who wanted to kind of to see like the physical prowess and see Luke, you know, wield his lightsaber with more flourish and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think... There's also another side to it where it's like he there's like an enlightened kind of yes. mystical nature to Return of the Jedi Luke that kind of we never really get to see break down in an organic fashion or him deal with politics and see how that affects him. Like, I think a lot of us just wanted to see some depth with Luke at some point. Uh, and we got the most we got was in The Last Jedi, which is an incredible film. Yeah, I'm just it's just like I think I think a lot of us want to see how the, I think a lot of us want to see a challenge or an obstacle for someone who has gone through all these trials and, you know, uh, overcome all these distractions and obstacles and become enlightened and then come across a challenge or a new threat that, that even, you know, uh, seems to be a, you know, impossible to defeat or, or creates a challenge that he, he hasn't, you know, a hundred and 110% grant. And honestly, as much as I am so ecstatic for the 10 new series that they're bringing out, the series <laughs> I want is I want, and, and I've again said this a hundred times on our podcast, but yeah. uh, is I want Luke Skywalker to see Luke Skywalker in this period, gallivanting around the galaxy, learning about the force. Yeah. Well, um, Ben. <laughs> Unlike a vision quest. And 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 that's what you said. Like that's I, I mean, I just think that is the most captivating. It is still sentimental. It's cathartic, you know, because well, of, he's very only he's, been through he's the very tough different times journey yeah. from both Anakin and Ray, I think. His journey is slightly different. I think it's, oh, it's yeah. he becomes he becomes sage like at the end, kind yeah. of worthy of the Jedi Council almost. And like you feel this wisdom just reverberating through that He's character. He's also the and only then, Go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no you, Greg, just, you don't see you don't get to see that deteriorate. And I think that's yeah. or you don't get to see what threats arise that cause him to grow more neurotic or to grow more fearful. He's you know, right. He, yeah, absolutely. He's the only masterless Jedi we have, really, right? Like at this point, he has no master. He he, yeah. and not until I mean, even Ray has no master in the first movie, but in the second one, she she has Luke. As Luke, as much as Luke is not a master, he is a master to Ray yeah. in the second one in his own way. And then she has Leia. Leia. 
right? So Luke is the only masterless Jedi we've been exposed to in the thing. So I think that's a story that's worth telling is how do you find your way without a master? And Luke does it in some way, right? Yeah. Right. But in, in the final film, the sequel trilogy, uh, it's, 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 it's almost Ray's empire in that she's, she's still gripped with this, this fear that she's connected to a dark, a dark entity, a dark character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Luke kind of in that third film grows to this almost like uh, wise, you know, Jedi consular, you know, oh, yeah, at the very death end. gives you perspective. And then, right. and I think it would be interesting yeah, to carry that does forward give perspective, doesn't it? and explore that a tiny bit before yeah. we jump into all other territories. So right. I, I'm with you guys 100%. I want this Luke on his on his vision quest journey, right? And if I mean, we're going to get it, guys. I, like, listen. we're good. You don't put Luke Skywalker in a TV series <laughs> and then tell fans, nope, that's it. You don't get any more. Do you think Star Wars fans are going to accept that? Because we know they're rational and thoughtful and completely, <laughs> you know, restrained individuals, right? Like, yeah. we're going to get it. I think it's going to be five years because the technology has to uh, catch up. Oh, but we're going to get it. I don't think I, I, don't Mark think Hamill I need lives forever, it, but I'm just saying he's not getting any younger. I don't think I need it. I wouldn't mind a book, honestly. A book would be nice just to connect we, the dots. We got a book. We got that right. like young adult, like yeah. Young no, adult. I have Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. I have that book, but I'm saying just, just maybe the politics, getting more into the politics, and not just journeying out and and learning, uh, you know, about different worlds, but maybe oh, yeah. learning about the, the 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 core worlds and the politics and and his relation to all of that. Even though he may have just left to go do his own thing, I'm sure he was called upon at some point. I'm right. sure things happened. Political things happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm not just talking about OP Luke gallivanting through the, no. the the galaxy, but as always, Grant, you're on the like you're on the next level of like how do we actually make this work from a plot standpoint and like antagonists. I leave that up to people like you that know these things. Um, but a book, yeah. Would be I'm fun. just saying, okay. like, yeah, and and yes, there's a lot of compelling ways that could really you know sort of guide him towards how he's going to create his new school and how that might fail and what he'll, you know, why he makes the decisions he makes in exile. And um, yes, all those things definitely can happen. I just, I just adore Mark Hamill and yeah. we only have Mark Hamill for so long. And I, you know, while we have him, I'd love, I'd love to see him flesh out the best Luke, you know, like for a while we had, and I mean, I know like before his sort of fall of conscience in his, in his collapse and, Yes, we might see him leaning towards that because he, his character arc has to go that way. But it's um, interesting because when we catch up with him in the Last Jedi, his mind is racing. We don't really get to see the kind of collapse of like the, the downfall of kind of right when yeah, I mean, he first takes on Kylo and he's like, "Oh, this 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 kid's there's just something going on here. There's a dark presence, you know." And then in the overarching story the emperor's shadow lingers over all the films and we kind of right. don't get a clear idea of what Luke's relation to that, all that is. Yeah, right. Let's just say yeah. it. I yeah. want to see Luke Skywalker's story pre Ben Solo. Yeah. 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 Which I, and I don't mind the story of Ben Solo. I think it's really an important thing and an important chapter of Luke's life, but there's so much time between those where Luke was at his best. Like we haven't seen Luke yeah. at his best and I, we need that story because I think if we get that story. I think that helps 
I think that helps people maybe process the last Jedi. I'm not one of those. I love the last Jedi and I don't, I don't have problem processing it, but I know people do. And I think seeing people also like, I just watched the last Jedi. I'm like, yeah, people as they get older, get more cynical. <laughs> like that's just that. That's right. Just, and yeah, that's just life. Like, like right. Luke is just what it happens to every man who gets becomes 65. Right. Um, yes. And um, I, so I did a little bit of a deep dive on the um, timeline here just to sort of give people some frame of reference. So um, I still go by battle of Yavin, uh, which is essentially uh, a new hope. So the first movie timeline. So we know that return of the Jedi happened four years after the battle of Yavin Um, Mandalorian happens nine years after the battle of Yavin Um, battle of Jakku is six years after battle of Yavin. So that's like when, Officially, they defeated, actually defeated um, the the Empire. Um, so we know Ben Solo was born five years after the Battle of the Yavin, so a year after um, uh, Return of the Jedi. So as of Mandalorian, he's four years old, is Ben Solo. Right. Right? Yep. Um, and we also know... We, so it we don't really have exact dates on um, Luke's when he starts his Jedi Academy, but what we do know is that Ben Solo is his first pupil, his first official pupil. So, yeah. and we know that doesn't happen until Ben Solo is a, a teenager. So he doesn't turn ten um, until fifteen years after the Battle of Yavin. So Ben Solo doesn't turn ten for another. Um, six years after what we just saw in the Mandalorian. Right. Right. And then that would be at the absolute earliest. And we know that Ben Solo doesn't, we do know when Ben Solo destroys the um, temple. The, the temple. So that's when I saw the internet melt down over. After the Battle of the Avon. I saw the internet melt down over that. They were like, is Grogu in that temple? Is that yeah, where Luke had maybe. brought him? Who like, knows? But like, it's so I'm still far. I'm going to hang future. on to my Dagobah theory that I've been holding I, on to I, for you the might past not be wrong. five, well, ten episodes, where I've just said I wouldn't be surprised if Grogu like ends up in the hut on Dagobah. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a safe an inter- place. It, that's that would definitely be poetic. But what I absolutely don't think happens is he gets killed by no. Kylo no. Ren in that thing. Because first of all, he's uh, Din Djarin says, "I will see you yep. again." Yeah. And and so I think we'll probably see him next season. I, I don't really think I mean, Mandalorian will be that captivating without um, Grogu yeah. in it. The the Internet will not allow. Yes. The fact that yeah. there's four series that are going to be running within the Mandalorian timeline. And if Grogu's not in one of those four series, I think the Internet might explode. Like that right. might literally destroy the internet if Grogu's right. not in one of those four series. And we also know that like Luke was trained by Yoda in like a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, 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 you know, Ray was trained in not much longer than that. And, and I mean, I think it could be really poetic if at some point Grogu is like, listen, I got to go help Din Djarin yeah. and, yeah. and, and runs away or does something like that. But like, so, I mean, the fact I absolutely don't think that they, that, I mean, I really don't think that Ben Solo and Grogu will even cross paths because that, like I said, is, would be six years in the future. And that would be a really long time jump um, for season three or season four or season five. Like, that's a that would be massive. And I, and I just don't see them. This I don't think we ever need to see that area of the timeline and, and 
Grogu nope. and Mandalorian. Right. We don't need to see that at all. That's that. Right. This timeline is yeah. super interesting. I yeah. don't mind just staying here. Right. Yeah. They've got six years to play with it. And like, maybe it'll overlap, but hopefully if it does in six years, you know, if they want to go like real time, um, then, you know, Mando and, you know, Mandalorian Grogu will be off on their own adventures, defending Mandalore or, yeah. you know, having some other, you know, or fighting against the outer rim or something like, you know, the, whatever they could be on another sort of the Thrawn, um, uh, you know, quest or something. Right. Like that. I feel like an Ezra show could be pretty good, honestly. Because like, well, why not just do Ezra as the Ezra main would character? Be in that sort of throne. As I yeah. say, Grant, you just mentioned Ezra, and I think that is the way we get Grogu back. Because I forget, we're gonna have Ahsoka running around. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. have probably Ezra running around. So you're gonna have other Jedi running around, and like, I really think the end of this is that the child ends up with Ahsoka. I really think that's where we get to. I do. I think that's the way this ends. I don't know how. We might be talking about five seasons from now, but I don't think Grogu does not stay with Luke. Grogu's not at the temple. I, I think there's something else going on, and I think it's Ahsoka and Grogu. I, oh, that's do, do you think there will blasphemy. be an echo of the past? And uh, Wait, what do you, why are you saying blasphemy? Because Grogu and Din Djarin men, are meant to be together forever. Well, it might be the three of them together, but I think he does need a. I, he does need, as as Luke says, right? He needs training. I think training is necessary. I have a feeling we're not going to see Grogu for in the next season, uh, and if you do, it might be at the end when Mando visits like the academy or something or the, you know. So I don't. Uh, not an academy. The, yet. the academy doesn't start until Ben Solo starts it, like until he takes on Ben Solo, like. I think this is just a little freelance apprenticeship that that Luke's doing along the way because someone called out to him. All right, I'm hanging on to Dagobah then. I'm gonna stick maybe because I also don't. I can't imagine Luke at this time if he's not running the academy, he's gonna be out like like tomb raiding with Baby yeah. Yoda on his back. I don't yep. think so. I don't think he is. I think he's dropping this kid off. I think he's putting this kid into daycare, and I don't know if that daycare is like is is Ahsoka or someone else. Like I can't imagine Luke having this little kid on his shoulder for this entire time yeah you're drunk i think what if it's a force sensitive that may be true however (laughs) i'm not wrong i i mean i i still go back to what what we all thought this show is going to be for the infinite future which is you know wolf and cub but all we're doing is we're getting a short little apprenticeship with luke skywalker and then he's going to come back but instead of being a helpless little baby he's going to be a mini young jedi that helps. <laughs> I mean, you laugh. That's incredible. Want, but you That's know what I mean? Like, it just means that this character is going to have some agency and is going to have a more important plot role to play in this story. You know, instead of just being a helpless, you know, baggage, like literal I baggage. That, that elevator scene felt pretty like climactic and like finite. I was like, oh, this is we're saying goodbye. It was such a beautiful last shot. Um, yes. I don't know. I really was swept away by that shot. And I felt like that was a perfect ending just for Grogu for just for a little bit. And then when we yeah. bring him back, it's going to be because we're holding on to that emotion. That was a very emotional episode. I mean, like, I don't now we can mine that again later if, when we bring him back. If we, and we, we should talk about this now. Right. Because we haven't talked about the goodbye. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to cry on air. Yeah. I mean, all right, I'll just give you one quote, and it's uh, "Let me look upon you with my own eyes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that totally. moment. That was that yeah. echo. Yeah, it was that oh moment. God. Touches his face, and I'm not crying. Oh. You're crying. I mean, it was a again pacing, right? Like that yeah. shot felt like it took forever. Yeah, in a, in a great way. Um, but he, I, what's so telling is like it's so beautiful that he does it for the child, but he does it in a room of other people, yeah. like surrounded by other people. Like yeah. he breaks his. Like, I don't care. Like, last episode. Well, shout out to the puppeteering. Sense. Shout out yeah. to the puppeteering. Yeah, it's so video. good. Yeah. I mean, in the like, last episode, it was like, do or die. Like, either take my helmet off and save the kid or not. Like, this was not. Like, he could have kept his helmet on and give the kid to Luke. Like, this is not something that makes the kid survive, right? This is a completely bonding emotional moment. And he does the thing he has is, he is sworn not to do because yeah. it would make the... Because it would, it would be nice. Like, it would be this moment of, of, of bonding with his son, basically. Because, yeah. yes, he, he loves that kid. <laughs> And you know what that moment taught me was uh, a couple episodes ago when he they're going to the temple on the on the mountain and there's that really father son sort of interchange. And he's like, he's like, you got to promise me, like, if the um, if the, the Jedi says that you yeah. need to go with them, you need to you're, or uh, you have to choose to go with them. You have to choose. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, that's kind of a cold thing to say. But then I realized he's saying that to himself. Like, yeah. The whole time he's just trying to like, he's he's trying to convince himself you have to be able. This to is the go. right thing. This yeah. is the right thing, and you have to be able to do it. And he's the weak one, and and Grogu like, Grogu is a lot more mature than we give him credit for. And yes, he I mean is an infant still, and still and absolutely adores, um, Din Djarin, but he's he understands what's right and and what's will you know what's there and it. And they they took that time to really sort of create that moment, and it was so special. And and I'm watching this now and repeat because we keep going so slow that I've had to watch the scene five times in a row, and I can't <laughs> hold on. I'm gonna lose it on air. But um, the thing, Grant, you mentioned the puppetry is amazing, right? Yeah, and it is. Puppetry. And also, Pedro Pascal does this thing where when the when Gogu touches his face, he literally closes his eyes. Like yeah. it's it's amazing. Like it's amazing acting, and like it's it's the same thing with Yoda. Like you forget he's acting across from <laughs> a puppet from a puppet. Like you forget it. Like it's just like right. the eyes of the puppet were yeah. incredible. Three like, smelly, unshaven puppeteers being like, <laughs> right? "Am I touching your face?" Right? <laughs> There's like <laughs> like just yeah, a hand yeah. in his face, just touching his face, like yeah. little fingers from from like a, a seventy five year old man just touching his face. You're right. <laughs> And it's like the most tender thing you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure they're remote, guys. They're yeah. Just, no, remote. don't ruin my... It, so again, you know, suspension of disbelief. Like, they had to convince me that this was the right thing to do. And yeah. I mean, when he's looking down at his foot and there's adorable little thing uh. clinging to his leg, I'm like, no, you can't do this. Like, please tell me you're not... Like, the roller coaster was... was I was really worried they are going to do the whole, like, no, get... I don't love you anymore. Like, yeah. like that whole thing where I'm like, nope, good. Okay, yeah. let's go there. So one of the uh, vehicles they used to ease this passage uh -huh. um, from one pair of hands to another was a uh, familiar droid. Had, yeah. Did anyone have R2-D2 on their bingo card? Nope. I don't even, I don't think we mentioned R2-D2 once, actually. No. This was my favorite moment of the episode. I know, it's beautiful. <laughs> Or he rocks back and forth in yeah. excitement. Yeah. 
like uh, seeing like as if he's noticing that this is of the same species as Yoda and that the yep you know he and, remembers spending a lot of time with Yoda and, and remember George Lucas talking about the fact that the kids love the droids right so how do you coax this little child you just show him this lovable droid right like this amazing moment of bonding between Grogu and and R two okay another internet conspiracy theory I think oh, I God. Like need to address. What if Grogu recognizes R2-D2 from the Jedi Temple back 30 years ago? Do they know each other? Maybe. I, I mean... That's, highly, that's possible, yeah. I, right? Could he just be like, Grogu! My well, guy! Okay. I can't believe I'm engaging with this dumb thing. So... I'm sorry, so, what? Nothing. I, are you talking about me? Thing? No, no. The internet <laughs> thing. So R2, let's go back to prequel time. So R2 was Anakin's droid, right? Yes. So I guess he would have been around the temple, though. Yeah, I mean, they were BFFs. But for most of the Clone Wars, Anakin was not in the temple. Like, we talk about him being like, because, like, Padme barely ever sees him because he was out in the Outer Rim sieges or whatever the, the yada, yada, yada. So I don't, I just, part of me, and I'm really annoyed at myself now actually going down this rabbit hole. (laughs) I don't know that R2 is around... I'm just saying it's possible. possible. Sure, it is. It certainly felt like a turning point in Grogu's decision, you know, an easing point, you know. Yes, because kids love R2. (laughs) But yeah, I know, maybe, maybe. I'm saying layers, like layers, yes. As soon as you see R2, you're like, all right, he's going to be cool because R2's there. Like, yeah, I mean, the big scary Jedi, who Luke never says his name, by the way. I don't know why he didn't just, like, say who he was, but. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. But like R2 is like, I guess the droid's cool. And then and then there's a moment when um, Grogu lifts his arms up to Luke, which I didn't catch till the second. Year. That was a meat. That was my yeah. that was also followed by, you know, my next favorite moment, which was that <laughs> lifting his arm, li- Grogu lifting his arms. Yeah. To Luke. yeah. Like, like picking up gently. Yeah. yeah. And then they look each other in the eyes and it's like a very sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm gutted. I'm still gutted. This is like one of those Star Wars things where it's like, yes, it was an absolute like beautiful episode. And it was such a fun thrill ride, an emotional roller coaster. But I, I just can't not love Grogu and want him around all the time. So uh, I know I'm not alone in that. And I'm hoping that um, that we see him in season three. <sighs> yeah, it's it's I'm watching it right now. It's so rough. It's 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 exactly what the story needed. But like, man, you know, I I think last episode I talked about the fact that maybe Boba Fett was going to take him. Right. Because this is before we knew that Boba Fett has old series. So I was going to turn evil and I was expecting Luke to come. But I really was expecting the line like, no, he's already found his family. Yeah, yeah, I did. too. Like, I didn't really see this ending with like Grogu just gone. And like, ugh, like, I feel like. Part of the thing is we've dealt with two seasons of the Mando coming back and recruiting people he's met in previous. So I'm sure in season three is like, I'm, I need a Jedi. Who do I know? <laughs> right. Like, like, right. This was the I mean, setup. He was trying to pass Grogu on to a Jedi, to one of, you know, to his yeah. family, or to his people. Right. Because he, he, he follows his doctrine. He's so strictly that he understands that. Yeah. Grogu by once the, belonged by the to end of it, Jedi. he's trying to convince himself. You know, he's using that as just like trying to do it. You know, he did. There's, there's no part of him that wants to part from 
um, from Grogu. You know, so, he's just like, okay, I know this is the right thing, and uh, you know, head over heart. But um, I, I think he's just trying to convince himself, like he was in the the previous episode, where he's talking to Grogu about, "You've got to do this, okay?" And, well, it's because he tried to pass pass Grogu on to Ahsoka, and then yeah, but he didn't want to do that either. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that that moment right is setting us up for this, where it's like yeah. he doesn't want to, but he will because it's the right thing to do. Right, exactly. Like I, I agree, and I think like it'd be interesting to see in season three. First of all, I think we're going to get a lot more Pedro Pascal without a helmet in season yeah. three. Yeah. I think he's pretty much going to go with the Bo-Katan philosophy of like, yeah, no, no, I've already shown my face. I'm still a Mandalorian. It's fine. Right. Like, I don't think you hire that man and not show his face as much as you possibly can after a while. But yeah. I feel like we're going to get him at the beginning of season three. and He's going to be like super unshaven and super depressed. Like, hey, did you, did get... you notice he shaved his mustache between last episode and this mustache? And, I, and, sorry, I just episode? did. I've seen it a million times. I just rewatched it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what's different. Yeah. Yeah. He shaved his mustache. It's almost like he's like, oh, maybe I should, you know, think about my face. Because it's also like I, those scenes. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Those scenes with a mustachioed man are much creepier than if it was just like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, relatively clean shaven. Yeah, you're uh, even scruffy, but like just a mustache like that. That's a that's a different story that I don't want to watch. <laughs> Listen, I, moving on. Being very mustache normative here, and uh, I, think, I, you know, it's yeah, I yeah, um, <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, why don't we um, prognosticate here and wrap this thing up? This is getting to be like a two-hour. Wait, so um, speaking of thrill ride, I mean, that's why I think they embellished this episode with the the post-credit scene. That yeah, so let's, so let's think. We want to talk <laughs> about... they're like, let's, for, let's move on from Grogu and the loss of Grogu and just, or, you know, yeah. Grogu's going off to be with Luke and... This, and, this you know, yeah, it needed... A own pack. his abilities. Can, right. can we just... I just want to put one little intersector here. Right. In the credits. All right. So we didn't get uh, concept art at the end of this, which is a travesty um, because that's always my favorite thing. And I was like really looking forward to it. But um, this was the music note that I wanted to make was they used full concert uh, orchestra yeah. to do the theme song. And I thought that was a callback to John Williams where it's like and, you know, via Luke Skywalker. It's like, OK, he's gone now. Ludwig went full John Williams here right. to do um, to do the the farewell uh, music piece um, in that it's just like a full concert orchestra, but playing his own, you know, the Ludwig theme. And it was really, I mean, really, really beautiful uh, yeah. version of of the, the Mandalorian theme. Um, and heart wrenching also. <laughs> yeah, it really was. So I guess I guess here's a good point is like if by any chance you didn't know there was a post credit scene and you missed it pause now yeah yeah go watch that because like i accidentally saw the post credit scene to be honest like because they do the full credit it's like marvel movie style yeah. like post credit where i i was just like i was on my elliptical exercise this morning and there's like like i had like five minutes left so I'm like, I'm not going to stop this and watch something else. So I'll just like listen to the music. And usually yeah. when it's concept art, I'll watch the concept art, but there's no concept art. So I'm like, I'll just let this play. And I was kind of like just tooling around on my phone. Like, oh, like, God, can this five minutes please end? And can I please done doing this hellish thing that is the elliptical? And yeah. then and then like suddenly like you hear like the music cut out and I'm like, what? And I look up from my phone and I'm like, 
we haven't seen. So there's a good chance that a proportion of our listeners do not know if they're not on the internet looking at stuff and avoiding spoilers that there is a post credit scene that you definitely need to watch. All right. We've assumed you've all paused and watched it and you're all cut (laughs) up. We can start talking about it. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure what you saw, Adam, when you looked up was Twin Sons. Yeah. Quick pan over to uh, what is formerly known as Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Um, iconic uh, followed by iconic. Yeah. Um, and then we're in the throne room. What tipped me off, actually. <laughs> so I I always watch the credits now. Um, and obviously the music was beautiful. And I always look at, at the actors because I was actually looking to see, like, if it was Sebastian Stan or who they were going to give credit to for Luke Skywalker. Uh, the only credit they gave was Mark Hamill, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I still I will learn more about that in future days and weeks. Mark Hamill probably tactfully the, coy. Yeah. Yeah. Probably in the gal- one of the gallery episodes, by the way, the Mandalorian season two gallery is premiering on Christmas. Yeah. Christmas Day, which I so, will watch all of. If the first episode is not about bringing Luke Skywalker back, <laughs> I'm yeah. done with that series. <laughs> I know you're lying. I know. Um, they, uh, yeah. So I, I was looking for that. And then in the credits, I see Bib Fortuna. And oh, like, it's really funny. And I was like, wait a second. I'm like, did I miss Bib Fortuna in like that, you know, in that pub, like where they met? And then they're like, stunt actor for Bib Fortuna. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what's going on? You know? That's really funny. I'm I missed like, that. what do you mean, stunt actor for Bib Fortuna? That's wild. And then, and usually Disney Plus, like, it goes into like small box and, pitches something yeah. else at the end of the credits and it didn't go on so i just sort of like stayed with it and was trying to look at stuff and it's a pretty quick credits but uh and then twin sons and yeah. Then, um yeah and so we were suddenly we're in Jabba's palace and um it looks pretty much unchanged from return of the jedi except instead of Jabba, we have bib fortuna yeah. after what looks like uh a lot of calzones i was gonna uh, say I, you know, as a person who has fluctuated with weight in my life, <laughs> that is, that's, a that's, that's letting yourself go. That's like five years. And that's, that's impressive. Like he has like quadrupled his mass in five yeah. years, which is like, yeah, I mean, I think on purpose, right. I mean, if you're trying to find a, uh, you know, follow a gangster who is defined by his girth, um, yeah. then, you know, you just go for it. So good for Bib Fortuna and, uh, his fortunes as they were, um, Complete with his own Twilight dance, dancer uh, chained to his, uh, you know, throne, yeah. um, and the whole the whole bit. I mean, I will go again. Bib Fortuna, I think, is the grossest character in all of Star Wars history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would argue, like he, yeah, gave, the Rancor was... and Bib Fortuna back to back, pretty gross looking, like, but just, just... like. Gross on every level yeah, for a sentient being. Never seen the sun and is just like done crack and a yeah. A <laughs> yeah, like, it's just upsetting. Decade. And even as a kid, I'm like, that's gross. Like I just like was always <laughs> grossed out by Bib Fortuna. And then to find a way to make him grosser, yeah, yeah. like well done. Like I also wanted to like give that like to me that was most of the applaud moment of the entire series, the episode that had Luke in it, where I'm like, yeah, well done, well done yeah. there. Um, only this time we don't see Luke Skywalker coming down the stairs. No. Uh, we see Fennec Shan and not wait. This happens after we get a McClunky. Yep. <laughs> yeah. McClunky. All right. So what's the McClunky? McClunky. Right? McClunky. Okay. He's like McClunky. weak way. Hana Hana McClunky. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, they just they, they added that to Greedo's line in uh in the last in the, the most recent I think oh, really that's most, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, if you watch it, he says the clunky, it's a whole yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. It took the internet by storm a year and a half ago, <laughs> randomly. Like I don't remember. It was just a thing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um yeah, we got a McClunky and then um yeah. Uh, here we go. Boba Fett. Yeah. They waste everyone, free the slave, and uh, raid the liquor cabinet. Yeah, I mean, the this the moment between Boba and Bib Fortuna is amazing. Of just like... To... Unceremoniously just ripping him off the throne and throwing them on, on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Killing him and discarding him like... Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, I thought you were dead. Because again, like literally the last time Bib Fortuna sued this dude, like his oh, boss has oh. taken him to throw him in the Sarlacc pit. Like, that's it. And if I'm right, we don't get a single line of dialogue from Boba Fett in this whole thing. I don't think he says a word. Nope. Doesn't. No. Just Which like all like, <laughs> To me, that is the best Boba Fett. The less, the better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which really does put him back in his old thing. And, you yeah. know. I mean, well, so in the Sarlacc, uh, on that thing, Boba Fett was just a security guard that happened to fall on the, you know, they were on the same side there. Yeah. But yeah. That's so he but is, still. He's, but still it was, it was funny. Ben Fortuna is like, oh, there were a lot of rumors, which is like kind of funny because there's been rumors since uh, 1982 when, um, when <laughs> Return of the, you know, when he died in Return of the Jedi, there's yeah. been rumors, uh, <laughs> which is sort of a funny inside baseball thing too. But yeah. Just wastes him, unceremoniously discards him. I was kind of hoping to hear him like empty him into the Sarlacc pit like trash. Like hear that they, you know, hear the, the trap door. pit. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, instead we get uh maybe like in the Pantheon a top five most iconic shot in, hey. in Star Wars, like yeah. my favorite. It's it's Adam's I want right I want a poster of this. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's Boba on the throne and Fennec Shan just sitting on the armrest, just like chugging some booze, some looking spotchka. Awesome. Yeah, maybe some spotchka. Yeah. yeah. Is this? Does this mean he's now going to be a crime boss? Yeah, it is. In the underworld, I, he's going please. to wage well, a yeah. war against other I mean, syndicates. The most important faction. part of the most important part of this scene is that afterwards they say, "The Book of Boba Fett coming." <laughs> December 2021 for those keeping score that's just a year from now yeah um, and we don't know necessarily if that's going to be a series or a uh, feature but I assume that's going to be a series that's the 10th series they didn't talk about um, at the investors meeting last week so is there any chance that the book of Boba Fett is is <laughs> is going to be brought to you by Colin Trevorrow the director of the book of Henry. <laughs> or am I, or am I officially uh, book of Eli. the book of Eli? I don't know, but the, the book of Henry is, is purportedly the movie that caused Colin Trevorrow episode nine. So part of me is like, that's an odd title. Is this going to be like, the, is this just me falling down? Is this tinfoil hats? <laughs> is that the final title or is that just placeholder? It seems I think like it's a final title title for me. That's a pretty I mean, yeah. That's the first time they've taken a liberty to like actually give something a yeah. like real flourishy name rather than 
the Acolyte or Kenobi or the Bad Batch. It's like, yeah, that's giving a, some flourish that, there. Yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, when I saw it the first time, I'm like, cool. I'm like, don't we know that already? But then I was like, oh, wait. No, they didn't announce a Boba series, did they? They just should have. And I was like in the headcanon. Like, I'm like, well, that's coming eventually. I, well, it had been it had been rumored for quite a while because there had been shooting yeah. on a series that that was under the name of something else. And I had the Buccaneer, the Buccaneer. And I had I full I'll own it. I had poo pooed the idea that it was a Boba Fett series. I was mostly poo pooing the idea that like our Internet, just because there's Boba Fett and they're shooting a series doesn't mean it's Boba Fett. Yeah, well, I, I was, wrong, I was wrong. And by the way, so happy to be wrong. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I was, we were texting with the guys earlier today. Cause I literally, after this went back and rewatched the opening of the Disney investors meeting. Cause you know, I got time to spare. I really don't, but whatever, <laughs> like as we like 10 second skipping to be like, when do they announce this? And the, and the language was very vague where they said, basically we're announced, we're premiering 10 episodes of star, 10 star Wars series. And we take that literally, they had already premiered the Mandalorian. That is an ongoing series. And then after that, they only list nine. So I think the internet really slept on and the internet, which is really good at picking apart semantics. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm shocked no one was just like, wait, they said this. That could technically mean there's a tenth series they haven't announced. And they really played that card well. I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy was talking with Bob Iger and all the Disney people to be like, can we get this a little vaguer because we want to keep this as a secret? but we don't want to lie because the internet will catch us on that. Like it's just yeah. really, really well done. Yeah. They probably wanted to plant a viral seed there and uh, us included, but we, no one picked up on it. No. Yeah. No one. I will. Counted. I will say the internet now is debating, which I don't think is much of a debate, but whether that's just the, t that's just the running title for season three of the Mandalorian, but I don't think so. I think it is a pretty clearly a new different series. Deadline is confirming that it is a new series, but no yeah. one's really talking about it because again, I think I think Lucas is brought Lucasfilm's probably going to wait until Monday because it's usually what that is is usually give the weekend before they start spoiling things. Right, they don't want to start spoiling things. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I meant to say this earlier, but um, Mark Hamill has been <laughs> super quiet. All he posts on Instagram was a picture of his face <laughs> going shh with his yeah. finger in front of his head, like don't spoil it for people, which is like. So Mark Hamill, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to give people some time to watch yeah. before they let it out and um, and let people do that, which is very tasteful. And uh, I appreciate you, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. So uh, are yeah. we going to have two series going at the same time? Yeah. Right. That's the way I read this. You know what? We deserve it. Adam. We deserve I, I'm it. not complaining at all. I mean, we're going to have to figure out what the hell we're going to do for this podcast. But I'm not complaining at all. Hey, if we get to do two bangers a week, three we'll episodes do it. a season a week. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to five days a week. We're it's not our going burden. To five days a week. No, it's our we, burden. We love you, Norway, but we're not doing five days a week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I found out um, because we, we have been talking about Norway recently because we've just seen a recent spike in viewers there. So <laughs> welcome, Norway. welcome, Norway. Yeah. Um, but I found out they have the highest quality of living in the world. Okay, Doorway, sponsor our visas. We will happily move there and be like your Star Wars. We will be your Star Wars people. Like, bring us there. Yeah, we'll be like your official Star Wars people. 
<laughs> I don't think they need Star Wars people. I think they they're probably good, but probably I don't know. Know. we're pretty. I probably lots of people who Norway love Star Wars time. there as much as we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just appreciate Norway more than I did before. Agree. It's possible, but uh, yeah. Um. So yeah. Did we? Did we? Did we do it, guys? I feel like there's so much more. We did I want, something. Yeah, we did something, and we did it for a long time. So there's that. Um. This was such a great finale. It was fantastic. I actually, we're gonna we're gonna get back into our normal rotation of uh, segments next week. We've got a lot of comics to catch up on. We've got um, a lot of stuff to talk about as far as books coming out. We've got a lot of those. We got pillars to do. I kind of actually want to do like a love pillar. I love pillars. Pillars. Yeah. I will trade any episode for a pillars episode at yeah. any time. We'll do another one. I think that'd be good. <laughs> I think I love the love one's great. I think with the buccaneer coming up. <laughs> Yeah. Later, do a swashbuckling one we could do at some point yeah. we got ones we got to go back and revisit some of those i like the idea of doing the love one yeah yeah um just because this was i mean this episode was case in point why we should do a love one because the way that star wars uses love is very cool it's in, in, in a very unique way it's not necessarily it's not usually ever romance it's always just some sort of whether it's familial love or just you know they use it yeah. in really cool ways um so that would be good get back into some pillars um you know we have lots of segments uh there's always plenty of tinfoil to go around um and um we'll be doing all that but um for now thanks so much for listening to us this has been a blast this is uh my really my favorite time of the week uh, i feel very grateful for the opportunity to uh, record this and have you listen to us and um we'd always love to communicate with y'all. So if you have any in, you know, interesting ideas or something we missed, please um, talk to us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're out there. Um, so yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you're all as giddy about uh, Mandalorian as we are. Um, and, you know, we'll talk to you next week. So take care and uh, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Coreworld News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs>